Hey, hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and this episode is TTS Thursday number five. Today's topic is home-based strength training for triathletes, and we'll get right into that after thanking our sponsors. First, we have Precision Hydration, that create electrolyte products that you can match to your individual sweat, sodium, concentration level. Precision Hydration is trusted by a great triathletes such as Sarah Crowley, Sam Appleton, and Emma Pallant, and also they are an official partner of Team Sunweb on the World Tour of Cycling for their hydration needs. So there's some great credibility there, not to mention the fact that Precision Hydration also works in team sports like football and american football in the nfl you can get a free hydration plan that will take care of your individual sweat sodium needs based on your estimated sweat sodium concentration and your sweat losses just click the free hydration plan button in the menu on precisionhydration.com answer the questions i believe there's 10 of them in multiple choice format and then you get that free hydration plan and uh, well, whatever electrolyte products you use you can use that plan of course i highly recommend precision hydrations products they're absolutely amazing in terms of being able to match uh, very specifically to how much sodium you lose but also they taste great and you have multiple choices for the delivery whether you choose the tablets or the sachets or even the blister packed pills you can get 15% off your order of precision hydration with the promo code that triathlon show one five and thank you to roca that you can find on roca.com I want to do a product highlight today for the R1 Swim Goggles. The R1 Swim Goggles are, uh, as all of Roca's products, engineered to help you find faster and uh, maximize your performance in the water, in the triathlon swim, or in open water swimming in general. The R1 Goggles uh, have Roca's trademarked Rapid Sight technology, which consists of an 11-degree retroscopic lens angle that opens up the forward field of view that makes it easier to sight with less lifting of your head and therefore less loss of momentum and speed in the water. Uh, they have premium coding of different formats, including anti-fog co- coding, anti-scratch coding, and a hydrophobic co- coding to reduce surface tension for optimal hydrodynamics. And uh, in terms of lenses, they have uh, the same top quality optics for all of their tints, but you can actually choose between 10 different lens tints, allowing you to choose to the perfect one for the conditions you'll be using the goggles in or just do like I did and get a few different ones. So you can uh, decide on race morning what's going to be the best one. You can get 20% off any Roka products, including the R1 goggles or anything else uh, with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Just one final question before going into the main topic for today. Uh, If you are enjoying the podcast, it helps a ton if you can rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. It helps other listeners find the podcast and uh, helping a new listeners finding the podcast helps keep it going, helps keep it sustainable. So it is all very important. Now on to today's topic, home-based strength training for triathletes. So let's briefly discuss first what are the objectives and the importance of strength training for triathletes and this applies to endurance athletes in general, I would say at least in terms of running and and cycling. Uh, First of all, injury prevention is a big one. With strength training, we want to make sure that uh, the muscles we need for movement in the three different sports or three different disciplines actually have the strength to go through all that repetitive movement we put them through. If our muscles that are too weak for that, then uh, the body will find a way around it. It will. We won't stop running just because our muscles, our prime movers are too weak. 
but we will bring in some compensatory movements pattern movement patterns and uh, these muscles that compensate for weak muscles that are not pulling their load they might not they might be more involved in the movement than they should be and uh, this can often lead to overuse injuries even besides compensatory movement patterns certain muscles uh, such as the hamstrings for example or the calves are, that are put under heavy strain in certain scenarios like really fast running or for that matter another example would be the deltoids when swimming and especially when swimming either with big paddles or when swimming with suboptimal technique so that there's a lot of load going through the shoulder uh, these muscles need to be strong enough to handle large peak tensile forces the hamstring is a really great example uh, as many of us have sedentary jobs and uh, that leads to generally speaking uh, not the strongest posterior chains so pulling a hamstring may happen simply as a consequence of the hamstring not being strong enough to resist not even that great tensile forces uh, so you don't have to be a 100 meter dash runner to uh, to really to, to to really put your hamstring through something that can that can strain it as many of you probably uh, will know uh, so injury prevention and again both to to help the muscles the movements be efficient and not uh, and, and not have compensatory movement patterns come in and lead to overuse injuries but also just to be able to resist uh, those peak tensile forces that go through the muscles Th those are two main reasons to do strength training and then secondly in terms of performance strength training is important for that too and uh, the first point to make here is that heavy resistance training has been shown uh, many times in uh, the literature to have a positive impact on endurance performance and we have talked before quite a number of times about the details and the mechanisms behind this just very briefly some of the adaptations that may take place by doing heavy resistance training and by heavy resistance training we mean uh, doing things like um, six repetitions at at a weight that you could only do seven or eight repetitions as a maximum and do two or three sets of that and then do another exercise with a similar type of weight and rep range uh, so th that's that's the type of training we're talking about and that has been shown to induce adaptations including improved neuromuscular function uh, mus mu increased muscular tendon stiffness and a conversion of type 2 x fibers to more fatigue resistance type 2a fibers uh, so so this type of training typically done in the gym with like barbell squats and and deadlifts and hip thrusters these sorts of exercises uh, are in the literature shown to be very efficient for improving endurance performance from short to long distances uh, but uh, other than that you probably also heard things like you can't fire a cannon from a canoe or a ferrari engine in a in the chassis of a fiat uh, these sayings reference the fact that when we move our muscles contract in order to create movement across a joint but for that movement to be effective the joint needs to be stable because otherwise uh, in the best case we don't the muscle don't have a steady it doesn't have it doesn't act as a steady lever on that joint uh, on that anchor point and we in the best case scenario we simply waste a lot of unnecessary energy but in the worst case scenario we can get injured uh, so in running for example uh, there is movement around the ankle joint and around the knee joint and around the hip joint to help propel us forward uh, but uh, the movement the primary mover, movers there uh, are 
also supported by the muscles that stabilize all of these joints. So all of that is going on all the time, not just the contraction to propel us forward, the prime movers, but the stabilization of the joints. Without this stabilization, we wouldn't be able to run as fast uh, for many reasons. Uh, for example, our running economy would deteriorate. We would probably end up with slower ground contact time. We would fatigue more quickly because we would waste too much energy. And uh, this applies not only in running, of course, it applies in cycling as well, but uh, or in other endurance sports in general with uh, repetitive movements. But the principle is that uh, we want to be more like an like a warship in terms of that's a stable platform from which you can fire a canoe, uh, fire a cannon, but you can't fire a cannon from that canoe because it's an unstable platform uh, in relation to uh, in in rela- relation to the actual vessel that it's on. So, so if you are so if you want to produce strong forward propulsion, you also need strong stabilization of that propulsion in the joints, and that requires a lot in terms of strength uh, to stabilize those joints. So, uh, it's worth mentioning that. Core strength is probably something that you're guessing, yeah, that's important. That's a a big part of this because the core helps stabilize many important joints like the hip joint, the shoulder joint. But the core is definitely not the only thing that's important. We mentioned already for running uh, the ankle joint and the knee joint being important ones. So for the ankle joint, for example, we need to have the small muscles in our feet be able to stabilize that uh, that ankle joint as well as the lower leg muscles, so the, the calf muscles. And uh, we'll go to we'll get to all of the muscle groups that you should be targeting in your strength and conditioning program in a bit. But it's safe to say that all of the joints around which we create movement, uh, we need to to work on our strength around all of those joints uh, to to be able to be effective triathletes and and uh, have our best possible forward propulsion without wasting unnecessary energy but also without risking injury the two go hand in hand although i kind of switched to the performance side here but injury prevention also becomes part of this now let's talk a little bit about equipment for home-based strength training and i think i have mentioned this before in the last interview we did on strength training with uh, dave cripps but uh, i want to uh, do it again for this episode of course uh, it's really only in the last year due to the pandemic that I've really tried to sort of think carefully about and optimizing what a good set of home-based strength and conditioning equipment looks like. And what I come up with is the following list in no particular order. I consider all of these elements uh, super important and useful. And it's all a very, in total, it's a very affordable and uh, available uh, set of equipment in terms of size as well because a lot of you might be living in an apartment so not having a lot of space like i do uh living in an apartment that is not having a lot of space uh so so it's important to to think about those practical aspects as well i feel and uh, and these uh these set pieces of equipment can, you can have in in that sort of environment as well so first up stability ball uh, this is a great tool to have for exercises targeting the core glutes hips hamstrings and more the size i think should be a relatively big one 65 or 75 centimeters are common standard sizes that i would recommend and the cost for a stability ball is probably around 15 to 20 euros some great example exercises would be hamstring curls or glute bridges or uh, rollouts so plank rollouts uh, just to give you an idea then next up adjustable kettlebell i know i've raved about this before a couple of times i'm a big fan this allows you to do sort of semi heavy resistance training uh, it's not that you can 
do the exact same that you could do with a barbell and a squat rack and a ton of weights uh, that's not what i'm saying but you can definitely load the weight significantly more than you can with uh, with most other solutions even including things like big water bottles or other homemade solutions and just a kettlebell for those that haven't heard it before is basically a big kettlebell that and instead of being one solid body has plates that you can add or remove so you can adjust the weight so for example the one i have is anywhere from 10 to 40 pounds it's in imperial weights and it has six plates so i can remove five pounds from the normal 40 pound weight with each plate that i remove so uh, so for some exercises i obviously want it to be at the lowest and for some i want it to be at the highest so it really runs the uh, runs the whole spectrum there and uh, it's like getting a set of uh, six kettlebells or seven kettlebells in one the 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 price of this is a bit more expensive for sure uh, it's generally around a bit more than 100 euros i think i paid 115 120 euros for it but when you consider that you're getting that number of kettlebells in one package and usually you might be paying for bigger kettlebells certainly 40 or 50 euros just for one 16 or 20 kilo kettlebell you're getting getting a fantastic deal by buying buying just a kettlebell and you're getting so many sizes that you wouldn't get unless you buy actually six or seven uh in in a in a set so and and plus important important to consider as well how much value does it give your strength training and i found over the last year since using this that it gives me immense value to my strength training it's an uh, indispensable tool really it will last forever as well so it's a fantastic investment it's great for a number of exercises for example you can do squats you can do deadlifts but you can also do uh, do things like when you remove some plates you can do turkish get-ups or you can do uh, offloaded lunges you can do dead bugs there's a ton of things you can you can do with it and even one thing that i found is particularly useful is i can use it to do nordic hamstring curls unassisted because it forms uh, an anchor for my where i put my legs and the heavy weight of the fully loaded uh, kettlebell means that I can, I can actually do Nordic hamstring curls with that and with elastic or with resistance bands that we'll get to in a moment. Next, we have a door anchor. And uh, if you don't know what that is, that is a very strong band with a loop on one end of it where you can anchor your resistance bands or stretch cords, maybe stretch cords for a Senate swim trainer if you have that, or whatever you want to anchor. And then the other end is thickened so that there's in the middle there's a thinner part of the band that fits between the door and the door frame when the door is closed but the thicker part does not so you basically thread that band through the door between door and door frame and you close the door and then it stays there in place and you can attach your resistance bands to the loop which should be on the side in the room that you're where you're actually strength training and uh, and that will be your the, the door anchor is then the stationary point where you attach those bands and these can be found for under 10 euros on amazon great for a number of exercises again like for example nordic hamstring curls that i just mentioned i do them with resistance bands for helping me do the eccentric part slowly but then raising myself back up it can be used for uh, for hip flexor strengthening so just a knee uh, knee drive resisted knee drive when you place the resistance bands and the door anchor on 
kind of floor level and it can be used for a pallet press for example so a rotational core exercise again a number of different exercises can be used uh, with the door anchor and of course you need the resistance bands as well so that is the next next part the next point on the list is the resistance resistance bands or power bands and uh, these are pretty strong and large loops that you've probably seen at the gym they come in different strengths that are marked by color usually and uh, getting two or three uh, low, medium, and high resistance potentially might be a good idea. So you can adjust which one you use based on what exercise you're doing. But you can get by by just by having just one. That is actually what I have at the moment. Although I'm probably going to get a couple more soon. But the cost is very affordable. These are around ten euros again. I I think. But then you also have mini bands that I think are good, and these are again looped bands but they are small and they are rubber but you also find them in fabric and i've heard that the fabric bands are better and more comfortable which makes sense to me i've only used the rubber bands and it's true that sometimes they get a bit uh, a bit uncomfortable but but it's definitely not a not a biggie so whichever ones you get it's fine uh, and uh, these so these looped small bands mini bands you put around your knees or around your ankles for certain exercises like clamshells or um, crab walks are example exercises so it's, it's the same concept as the resistance bands that i described before but much smaller in size and in resistance so so it's just a different use case in terms of which exercises they they are used for but again they are very affordable you can get a three pack of the three different si- sizes or uh, sorry resistance levels for probably under 10 euros uh, and I will link uh, to an article in the episode description that describes the difference between power bands and mini bands in a bit more detail and shows pictures of them just in case you're not quite sure what the difference is here. So you can see for yourself what each looks like and, and what what I mean when I'm describing these. So uh, just to repeat that list, uh, it's it's got five items on it. Stability ball, adjustable kettlebell, door anchor, power bands and mini bands. And you can do amazing strength training with just these five tools. That's not to say that you shouldn't get other tools if you want to and feel that they add something to your strength training. I definitely do have some other tools as well, but uh, but I don't see them as essential. Uh, this list of five, that's the essential list in my opinion. Now let's talk a bit about structuring your home-based strength training. Generally speaking, with home-based strength training, you have a bit more flexibility than you have with a reg- regular gym routine and that is uh, i'm assuming here that you're doing heavy resistance training in the gym so uh, working with exercises like squats and deadlifts and stuff and lifting fairly heavy in in that case you would probably do something fairly standard for your workouts like have a warm-up and then maybe some bodyweight exercises or mobilization and activation then get into your lifts starting each lift with a warm-up set uh, we're not power lifter, lifters or Olympic lifters, so we don't need five or ten warm-up sets or even two. We can keep things simple. But still, if you are doing things like heavy squats or heavy deadlifts, then you do need at least that one warm-up set. And, and you do need some some warm-up before getting into those lifts as well. Or or it's very beneficial to do that at, at the very least. So, and, and the difference here is that when you're doing home-based strength training, even if you are using your adjustable kettlebell at the heaviest weight or just a generally heavy kettlebell and doing something like goblet squats, you may be using 20 kilos or 24 kilos, so in the 40 to 50 pound range. And that is very different than what you might do if you're doing a barbell squat in the gym where you might be lifting three or four times that weight. 
uh, you you just can't lift as heavy with home-based strength training so so in my opinion there is nothing stopping you from having any exercise even that relatively speaking heavy squat with the kettlebell uh, be the first exercise you do when you're doing a home-based workout uh, and uh, yeah that's uh, that's basically what gives you a lot of flexibility the sequence of exercises within a given workout doesn't matter too much i do think that if you can do your home-based strength training right after a bike or run session when you're already warmed up that is a nice bonus but it's it's not a must similarly if you are doing resistance training in the gym you might choose to do things like for example limit the number of heavy lower body exercises you do per workout to two maybe at most three but i think two is quite normal because the load is so high so you don't want to overdo things and uh, do squats and deadlifts and hip thrusters and heavy loaded lunges in one single workout so yeah two heavy lower body exercises and one heavy upper body exercise per workout is a fairly standard recommendation that that i give to triathletes but at home since the loads are relatively so much lighter uh, of course we're still assuming that you don't have an actual home gym with squat track and barbell and tons of weights then you don't really have that much of a negative or a risk no matter how many exercises of a particular type you do you could easily do kettlebell swings kettlebell squats hip thrusters and kettlebell loaded lunges in one workout i don't see any problems or risks at all with that so basically with home-based strength training it really becomes a question of what are the actual things that you need to train and how much or how frequently should you should you train that another way to think about it or to flip it around a little bit is thinking about what is a realistic but sufficient time commitment that you have for home-based strength training and this could be maybe 45 minutes per week for somebody training only five or six hours per week but upwards of two hours per week for somebody training and closer to 20 hours per week and within that you you just need to prioritize what to work on based on based on your needs and allocate time based on that prioritization of needs you also of course need to make sure that you get in at least some bare minimum amount of work on certain key areas there are key areas for everybody or every triathlete and that would include things like the core and the hips and glutes to name a couple but then once you know sort of what what your time commitment is what what you can do and what your key needs are and some minimum a minimum effective dose for for some key areas that you also need to focus on then then you can just kind of mix and match and and it doesn't really matter like what you do on day one of your strength training routine and what you do on day two uh, mixing and matching is uh, generally speaking quite okay i would say and and there are few things you can do to absolutely screw up a home-based strength training program in that way if you have the right set of exercises and then it's just about placing them within the workouts that you have and the time allocation you have but let's give some practical examples here from a coaching perspective many athletes that i coach that are more on the lower end of uh, amount of strength training and home-based strength training specifically they do three times 20 minutes of home-based strength per week and uh, they do those as circuits that are usually themed so there might be a core circuit a hips and glutes circuit a hamstrings circuit a basic kettlebell circuit and and so on and the reason that i like to theme these workouts like this and focus on one 
muscle group or one target area in one workout is that it makes it very very easy for me to overview which areas the athlete has been working on and how much and also then identify okay so which areas might we have missed and need to address uh, they could just as well mix all like do all circuits be mixed with mixing in all the exercises but and have a little bit of everything in each of them but it's just easier from a coaching perspective to make them themed so that is the reason for it it's not that it's necessarily more effective per se within each 20 minute circuit in this example we have a number of exercises it might be for example eight and usually i would prescribe two sets per exercise you could also have fewer exercises and maybe more sets and it of course depends on what the actual exercise is because some exercises might take a bit longer to do even one set of when you're doing quote-unquote simulated heavy resistance training so here with that i mean doing things like squats with your kettlebell at a fairly high weight or deadlifts same scenario uh, i'm not ready to call it heavy resistance work without an asterisk because it's not heavy relatively speaking compared to doing whatever you might do in the gym 80 90 100 kilograms for the squat but uh, but it's heavy compared to a lot of the other things you'll be doing at home and it's still yeah 20 if you're using a 20 kilo kettlebell then that's still a fair amount of load so so it is heavy depending on what you compare it to but either way when doing that kind of work doing uh, three sets instead of two can be beneficial uh, but for exercises that are more body weight or light weights oriented i tend to stick to two sets and uh, but that's not to say that it's any better you could just choose to do fewer exercises and do more sets of them but but for a bit of variety i do think that uh, yeah two sets of each exercise in those categories in the non-heavy resistance work categories tends to be a good sweet spot uh, I want to remind you again that the important thing here isn't the exact structure of these workouts the way I laid out or described them here but it is that within a given time period you do enough work for key target areas within your strength and conditioning so let's discuss what those key target areas for triathletes are uh, in my opinion uh, the most important things to do very regularly for triathletes would be core work and hips and glutes work then not long after these two would be posterior chain work such as working on the hamstrings and the back the back might also be included in the core uh, so so that's that's arguable slightly less frequently but still important would be lateral movements for example exercises like side lunges because we're moving in uh, in the sagittal plane as athletes and uh, and that makes us very very susceptible to not having strong muscles to stabilize movement in the lateral uh, in the lateral plane and that can make us susceptible to, to overuse injuries i'm a perfect personal case study of that uh, recently unfortunately uh, getting back from that or have been getting back from that for some time so so it's all good now uh, but then some other things that i prescribe to certain athletes that need it would be to work on foot and ankle strength and this is especially so i would say for athletes with a history of lower leg injuries so like shin splints or even stress fractures or or even metatarsal pain things like that and then let me see here shoulders and thoracic spine mobility is another thing that can be important for some athletes athletes that are maybe less mobile and uh, older athletes might benefit from that also athletes with a history of shoulder injuries from swimming would definitely benefit from that 
And uh, then how do we mix it up and prioritize within these different target areas? Let's take an athlete that does four weeks of training and each week they do three times 20 minutes of these different circuits. Then given the relative prioritization that I give these different types of works, generally speaking, but then adapting to each individual athlete of the 12 strength home-based strength workouts that they will do in this four-week period, they may do, for example, four circuits targeting the core, three circuits targeting the hips and glutes, two circuits targeting the hamstrings, two circuits targeting lateral movements, and one circuit targeting feet and ankles. And within each of those workouts, there may be a mix of more body weight or lighter resistance work, and also some heavier heavier resistance work with, with a kettlebell. For athletes limited to one hour per week of home-based strength training, I tend to mostly prescribe uh, these circuit-type workouts, which maybe have an exercise here and there with the heavy resistance stuff but there's definitely not that much focus on it uh, although the kettlebell is still used but it's not used in the same way that we do typically do heavy resistance stuff think uh, eight squats or six squats uh, at a very heavy load and then rest for two minutes and then do it again uh, that's something that i tend to not give in to athletes that only do these shorter circuits because it gets difficult to fit everything in but for athletes that have a bit more time to allocate to their home-based strength and if we deem it beneficial to focus a bit on that heavier resistance work then one or two of their weekly strength sessions can be extended a bit to maybe 30 minutes even 40 minutes and still include some of that regular work that i just described but also a main set where we really do focus on that heavy resistance work and uh, and that could be for example to do goblet squats with a heavy loaded kettlebell and do three sets of uh, eight repetitions with uh, with a powerful powerful explosive movement in the concentric phase of the squat and then the second exercise could be a simple kettlebell deadlift and again maybe eight six or eight reps the same sort of thing uh, powerful explosion in the concentric part of the movement plyometrics is another type of work that can be done as home-based strength and that i do give to some athletes either as a short circuit uh, typically that i that would prefer or recommend doing after a run or as part of an existing other strength workout for example after the heavy resistance part of of a workout that includes that but I don't give plyometrics to everybody because I just don't think it's as high a priority as some of the other things because plyometrics really is more of an icing on the cake in that it won't make your canoe into a warship uh, it won't make your chassis stronger it can definitely help improve your running performance and running economy but it does also have a bit of an injury risk element to it so you need to be very careful with it and if you're already kind of on the low end of what you're doing for general injury prevention in strength and conditioning, then I don't think it makes sense to allocate time to plyometrics when you actually might be better off allocating a bit more time to the general turning your canoe into a warship if we keep using that analogy. In terms of progression and overload, uh, this is something you can work in quite organically for each exercise you're doing. For example, if with bodyweight exercises like the plank, it's pretty easy uh, I, I think that you don't need to have very strict prescriptions of like you should do a plank for 30 seconds or one minute. Uh, maybe you have more of a range, a 30 to 90 second plank, and then maybe the athlete starts with 30 seconds and that's 
all good but then as they get stronger they can extend that and go all the way up out to 90 seconds or or even beyond if they if they feel like it although that might not be typically i i would give a, a lower and a high end of the range for those sorts of exercises but but yeah and then you as an athlete simply decide for that exercise that okay last week i did 30 seconds i'm going to try to do 40 seconds uh, this week and uh in some more heavier resistance work like the goblet squats mentioned where you might be doing uh, eight repetitions maybe maybe last week or the first week you start you you go a bit on the lighter side and you choose to go with with 10 kilos or 12 kilos but then you find that it goes fine and you don't have any delayed onset muscle soreness after then maybe the following week you increase to to 14 or or 16 kilos so so you can just basically Basically, you need to just remember what you did last week or log that is probably better than just relying on remembering. And uh, and, and then as you go along, uh, if you deem it appropriate, progress. But I don't think that with it's not as specific or mathematic even as heavy resistance training in the gym because the tonnage we lift is very low when all we have to work with is a kettlebell at, that is at, at its highest 20 or 24 kilos. So, so in that sense, the progressive overload is a bit, uh, you know, lighter and less emphasized, and it's something that can be done more as an organic thing, uh, specific to each exercise based on what the athlete feels like. In my opinion, uh, so don't overthink it, but it's definitely encouraged to try to progress the exercises in terms of time and also in terms of challenge level. For example, maybe maybe you start doing. Um, uh, doing hamstring curls as single or as double sorry double leg hamstring curls on the stability ball but then eventually you you find that well you can actually do that as single leg hamstring curls and you can do the eccentric part really slowly and that becomes a much more demanding exercise and uh, and that's a way to progress things as well even without increasing reps so those are things that can be done to progress things as well let's move into some recommended exercises uh, I will just give some example exercises that I think are really good. And they are targeting various important areas here. And uh, also they are targeting or they are using all the different pieces of equipment that I uh, that I recommended before. Most of these exercises are very well known. And it's a long list because I want to give you a sort of a, a really good uh, good buffet table to choose from. So I'll not be putting links in the episode description, but you can just put the name of any of the ex- these exercises into YouTube and you will find countless instructional videos if you don't know exactly how to do them. Uh, just one more note before listing them. With any exercise technique is really important. So the first few times you do it, make sure you always check the video and really, really focus on making sure that you get the technique right until it's second nature. Well, let's start at the bottom of the body, feet and ankles. So here I recommend doing band exercises. So it could be a lateral uh, foot movements with the band as a resistance so just grabbing a band and pushing against it with uh, like a i'm talking about the mini bands here the loops pushing against it laterally with the foot then also doing it forward and backward so ankle extension and flexion respectively with those bands and uh, if you search gwen jorgensen feet exercises on youtube i think you'll find a great video where gwen jorgensen uh, illustrates some of some of these Lower leg exercises, so calf raises and in particular eccentric calf raises, so standing on a step and making sure that you also do a low, a slow eccentric lowering of your heels down before you raise your calves. 
that is great for people that tend to get calf cramps or uh, or injuries in their calves or, or even in the lower leg in general next if we go to the hips and glutes category uh, there are tons of exercises here but a band resisted knee drive uh, is great with uh, the resistance band anchored to the door uh, at floor level and just uh, shooting up in a uh, in a knee knee lift motion with your with the resistance band around the ankle single leg glute bridge uh, which can be done on a stability ball or without a stability ball single leg deadlifts with uh, with the kettlebell goblet squats with the kettlebell or hip thrusters with the kettlebell those are all great exercises complex movements for uh, hips and glutes hamstrings here's one of my favorite exercises uh, of all the nordic hamstring curl and the way i do it now you can do it assisted if you have somebody to hold your feet down and that is great but you can also do it uh, unassisted by having the door anchor at the, at a high attachment point in the door frame and then have the resistance bands uh, that you hold uh, and to keep your arms raised basically keep your arms raised over your head and hold the resistance bands bent in your arms have your have your feet in your fully loaded adjustable kettlebell so that that serves as a weight to hold your feet down and stand on your knees and then just let yourself fall forward uh, resisting with the resistance bands and also with your hamstrings to make sure that that fall is very slow and controlled and then you can stop yourself just before it gets out of control so you fall flat on your face and then just pull yourself back up this is a great way to do nordic hamstring curls then you can also do stability ball hamstring curls and you can do kettlebell swings those are some great hamstring options lateral exercises lateral lunges with or without a kettlebell side plank with leg raise is a great exercise as well to work on that abductor as well and then uh, on the other side of that we have the adductor so an adductor side plank so keeping your uh, your right arm on the ground and uh, have being in a side plank position with that right arm but then having your your left leg on on an elevated platform like a chair or a sofa and uh, and being straight through your body and keeping the right leg so the the leg that is lower compared to the floor uh, and keep that in the air so you're basically just holding yourself up with that one leg and really targeting that uh, that adductor, the AD doctor. In terms of the core, again, there's a million exercises we could list here, but uh, a stability ball back extension is great. So doing a back extension over the stability ball, uh, a stability ball rollout, or so plank rollout essentially is great as well. And different plank variations, both static and dynamic. A pal of press is a great sort of anti-rotation core exercise, which... Uh, is using the door anchor and the resistance bands again and uh, it's a bit like a cable machine simulation and you can youtube that if you don't know what the path press is but great exercise for the core offloaded lunges so holding the kettlebell in uh, in one hand and doing a lunge step forward with the other leg and then changing of course is a great exercise to work on that anti-lateral flexion and then finally, the category of quote-unquote heavy resistance kettlebell exercises, we can do things like split squats, uh, general goblet squats, squat jumps, hip thrusters, kettlebell de deadlifts, and kettlebell rows. Are, the, the rows are great. I didn't mention them before, but they're great to work on the lats. So for swimming, a kettlebell rows is a great exercise. 
now let's talk about how strength uh, home-based strength workouts fit into your overall triathlon program i think we actually already talked quite a bit about this so i'll try to not get too long-winded here but let's summarize with some principles and the first one is that a little can go a long way at least if you you're just looking to do the bare minimum to not get injured and not be a a very rickety canoe then i think that a little goes a long way and frequency beats duration of workouts especially when you're on a more minimalistic program uh, three times 20 minutes is a i think is a good amount for many triathletes if your swim bike and run volume starts to exceed 10 to 12 hours or so then you might need a bit more perhaps getting towards one and a half hours of strength training uh, and and if you get to 20 hours then then i think you should be getting close to two hours of strength conditioning just as some rules of thumb for the for the minimum amount however that's not to say that you cannot get additional benefits by doing more than the minimum you can and if you do add more then definitely you should be thinking more and more about having some of that work be focused on simulating heavy resistance work of the kind you would do in the gym uh, if you do this heavy resistance type of work i would say it is good to try to time it so you leave at least one day between these heavy resistance workouts uh, so yeah at least one day maybe two days if you can and but one day would, would be sufficient because of the load even with this kettlebell heavy resistance work is so much lighter than in the gym as we already talked about uh, several times here you don't have many constraints in terms of when to do these home-based workouts if you can i always prefer spreading them them out fairly evenly through the week but it isn't an absolute must Uh, you have flexibility uh, because you're much much less likely to to be sore from home-based strength training than from gym work just again because of that uh, smaller amount of load when doing heavy resistance work in the gym i also typically recommend doing your endurance training before the gym work so for example doing endurance training in the morning and resistance training in the afternoon or evening but with home-based strength training i don't think this is very important because generally home-based strength training won't fatigue you or make you sore to the point of reducing the quality of endurance training the way that gym-based strength training might however you should adjust this to your individual circumstances and if you do find that your endurance training isn't of the same quality if you have done home-based strength training earlier in the same day then i would switch things around and adapt accordingly because you don't want it to cut into the quality of your endurance workouts Uh, i do want to add to this that if you have done very little strength training uh, generally speaking then of course you can get sore from almost anything and from very little and uh, this also happens even if you have done a lot of it in the past if you're coming back from a break from strength conditioning then we tend what we tend to do and i include myself in this for sure is that we do a little bit too much at the beginning and get soreness for the next couple of days and i mean that's fine and all it's not the end of the world but then make sure the next time that you reduce the load quite a bit until you find a point where you no longer get severe soreness after that strength work and then once you get to that point at that point you can start increasing and progressing the weights but always staying just beneath that line of getting delayed onset muscle soreness and uh, one point that i also like to make is that from pure time saving and logistics perspective myself and many of my athletes find that doing the home-based strength work right after a bike or run is a good strategy as you can 
just get right on it immediately after your workout so you don't need an extra change or an extra shower like you would if you do it separately plus you're already warm and mentally in workout mode so so that's a plus and finally if you struggle to find motivation to do your home-based strength work then doing it right after a bike or a run becomes a good habit stack so for example you could just simply decided okay my new habit is that after after my rides which i do on tuesday Thursday, and saturday i always do a strength workout and that just becomes second nature and automatic finally be aware that everybody is a bit different so experiment and find what works best for you in terms of timing and scheduling uh, so then you can make the most of your home-based strength training that's it for today's tts thursday one thing i want to encourage you to do is to send in questions related to previous week's TTS Thursday and in this case uh, sending questions uh, questions about this week's TTS Thursday about the home-based strength training and then in next week's episode I can give some quick answers before or after going through the main topic for that the day so again if you have any questions related to this episode if something wasn't clear email me michael at scientifictriathlon.com and I'll try to work it into next Thursday's episode I'll link in the episode description to the TTS Thursday episode archive, which you can find directly on scientifictriathlon.com, as well as to the category archive for all previous strength-related episodes on that triathlon show. If you missed last week's TTS Thursday, that one was on run training for triathletes, go and check it out. It was very well received. If you are looking for coaching or training plans, you can find a lot of information about that on scientifictriathlon.com. And we think we have really great services and products that benefit countless athletes. And we would love to help you improve your triathlon performance and achieve your goals, whether you're newer to the sport or an elite athlete. Finally, thank you to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and find out how much you sweat and how much sodium you lose in your sweat and get 15% off your order with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>